0: Welcome to the Nuggets Inc. Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schubert, going to be joined again by Mike Singer to talk about the first week of quote-unquote training camp. Franquando Campazzo, can he get it done? Will Barton, is he going to be in the starting lineup? And just what are the Nuggets going to do with the two through four positions that are apparently up for grabs? And lastly, where do the Nuggets stand in the Western Conference pecking order? We're going to get to that. And more next. And I'm back here with Mike Singer to talk about the Denver Nuggets. Uh, last we talked, the Nuggets had yet to begin training camp. Now we're a week in. All the players are in town. Uh, Individual workouts are over. The team is gathering together, Uh, not spreading COVID, we hope. Uh, Mike, your thoughts as we begin another season of Nuggets basketball.
1: Yeah, no, they're not spreading COVID. Uh, I don't think any, as far as I know, I don't think any players have tested positive in the early returns. Uh, which is significant because I think something like 50 players of the 450 NBA players tested positive of, around the NBA upon returning to market. So that's a win, you know, better than sure. the nuggets, better than the nuggets fared uh, the first week in in Orlando. Yes. So uh, that was know, a low bar though. Admittedly we'll, we'll count our lucky stars. Um, We've talked to everybody on the nuggets except for bowl uh, who I'm excited to talk to uh, coming up shortly. And uh, not that I expect him to say anything particularly insightful. Um, I asked Michael Malone two days ago, what bowls role would be. And he essentially said, it's going to be contingent on what he does in practice. And Malone gave just, I thought was a really interesting answer when he was deciphering what, how he views certain players and, and and are they a three? Are they a four? Are they a five? And Malone said that he categorizes players based off of who they can guard defensively. So obviously we know bowl has some uh, small forward tendencies. I'll call them, but can he really guard opposing threes? Can he have a little bit of success with fours and fives? Yeah, probably. But So if you wonder why we're not seeing the red carpet rolled out for bowl, it's because defensively there are a ton of question marks with bowl.
0: Um, Speaking of defensive question marks, um, that seems to be the theme here for the first week of camp. Uh, Obviously with uh, Jeremy Grant gone, uh, they're going to have to find a defensive stopper. Maybe that's Jermichael Green, who knows? Um, But so with that in mind, just tell me what are your first impressions here from the first few, from the first week of, of the player interviews, you haven't been able to watch them practice per se. So
1: I, I heard Michael Malone come to Gary Harris's vehement defense of Gary Harris's defense. That's what I heard. I heard a defense of a defense and because of that, I think Gary's still going to play a huge role with this team. I think you know Malone trusts the guys he knows, and Gary's the longest tenured Nugget there. Malone also said that the positions at two, three, and four are all wide open for training camp. So, does that mean that Gary uh, has an edge at the two? Probably, but at the same time, Malone is not ignorant. He knows that his offense has fallen off the last two years. So. Uh, I I also asked Malone this, have you had conversations with Gary about that, that two guard battle going into training camp? And he goes, not really, but I have had conversations with Gary about getting him back to the player that we know he is kind of getting his mental right and and checking in with him and seeing if he was good. Um, Gary said the other day that he spent the off season back home in Indiana and he quote got healthy which is an interesting thing given that he returned from a hip injury uh, five games into the first round of the playoff series against the jazz. So I think we can all assume he wasn't entirely healthy, but um, obviously made an impact defensively. There is going to be more asked of Gary. Now that Jeremy Grant and Torrey Craig are gone, Um, there's going to be a lot asked of Jermichael green, the new addition at at the four um, who I will lightly slash moderately predict is the starter uh, going into the season at, at the four, four. Okay. at the four, mark it down. That's my, that's right. my, that's my gut. In and I'm doing it in pen as we speak. Fine. Do it in pen. I'm good with that. And the three, the three is going to be where the real question marks are. Uh, Malone gave a slight nod to Michael Porter jr. Starting at the three did not say that it was, he said that was written in like, I don't know, one of those, you know, one of those pencils where you got to press on the eraser to get the really thin lead out that's what we'll write that in okay all right fine and, and so with with Michael Porter Jr those are the question marks defensively obviously so what happens around the 3 can you protect him at the 4 can you protect him at the 2 and i think Michael Malone's going to have to have a lot more leeway and give a lot more slack Defensively than he did last year, because there is so much fluidity with the rotations going into this year, more so than I think he's ever had.
0: Well, you you, you talk about starting, and uh, we heard from Will Barton, and uh, Will Barton was vehement that he's a starter in the NBA, um, and that's who he's been for for years now. So, um, first of all, what what do you think of that? It seems like there was almost a defiance in the way that he was talking about. Uh, his, his role in this league. Um, w- what did you think of his comments there?
1: Yeah. Well, when Will's healthy, Will's a starter, he was the third most productive player on the team last year. He deserves to be a starter in my uninformed, ignorant opinion. That's two or three. From- what the two. Are th- I-, I think that he is He is better slotted as a two, if we're being honest, Um, but they, they, they played him at the three last year. He was the starter at the three Uh, obviously didn't play in the bubble because he was hurt. So I think that like if healthy, I think Michael Malone would start Will Barton at the two alongside Porter and Jermichael green. We have zero inclination or idea of will Barton's health. He did not participate in the first two days of the live portion of practices. Now there have been videos and clips that have come out showing him dunking, which is uh, significant. I know it doesn't seem significant, but will Barton was not dunking when he was in Orlando for the first few weeks. He was not like Monte Morris said it. He goes, he's back to dunking right now, which we can infer. He was not doing that. He was, I mean, well like we reported he was in a lot of pain so to think that he was going to go from just several months ago being having to leave the bubble and needing to rehab to being a productive starter on a on a home court or top 4 team uh, in the west is kind of a long shot so you're right a lot hinges on his health and uh, I, we're, we're going to try to get a read on it come the preseason games but if he's not participating in the live portion of practices I don't know how much run he's gonna get in the preseason games. Therefore, it's going to be very difficult to slot him in as a starter at the two or the three, given that the season opens in. Wait for it. <laughs> two weeks.
0: That that's uh, that's not long, is it? That that doesn't feel like a lot of days for him to get back into playing shape, does it? No. So it does So if he's if he's starting at the two uh with mpj at the three eventually right like this this is the eventual who's finishing the games
1: well i mean it's funny because we haven't even talked about monte morris but like there are few players who michael malone trusts more than monte morris A- at the end of games to start games to do whatever to finish quarters um I'm not going to be shocked if we see games where Monte and Jamal Murray are the backcourt uh, closing. I'm really not. Monte is that steady, uh, at least on offense. Obviously, he's a little bit slight and, and you lose a little bit defensively, but he's a smart player. Um, I cannot see a closing lineup of Monte Morris and your boy Facundo Campazzo. I think that's a giant reach. Um, he's my boy now. <laughs> well, you, yeah, you, you, you relished rolling the compazo off, uh, you know, his name. So I was like, all right, he, he's your guy. He, he's, you know, he's a traffic driver. We like him. Um, so I don't know who's going to finish. I think ultimately it'll be Jokic, Jamichael, the three is up for debate, depending on what kind of gaffes Michael Porter jr has throughout the game and Michael Malone's temperature. And I think Gary Harris is still, you know, a very reliable defensive two guard Uh, and then probably Jamal. So uh, everything hinges on the two and the three. And I know we talked about this a little bit off air, but I think that we may see a bigger role than anyone anticipated for RJ Hampton. Um, I realize he's a rookie, 19 years old, very raw, but he does things that nobody else on the nuggets does in terms of athleticism. And Malone even said so. Malone was like, we've seen flashes um, of what he can do and his aggressiveness to the rim. And Michael Malone talked about one area that they absolutely want to emphasize is getting to the rim, getting to the foul line, Uh, and and getting those easier attempts and and not settling for those mid range um, jumpers or floaters that uh, some of the guys fell in love with last year. And RJ Hampton plays at a breakneck pace. When he gets out in transition, the dude goes, he goes downhill faster than anyone else on the team. Um, I think I forget exactly what he said. He said something to the effect of he's one of the fastest players in the NBA already. Um, he certainly
0: doesn't lack for confidence there's no doubt about that but can I just throw some cold water on this I'm going to douse this thing with a bucket of cold water Michael Malone I'm going to believe Michael Malone trusts and plays a rookie for extended minutes when I see it when that actually occurs in my lifetime
1: we can believe in it but right now I haven't seen it it's all valid that's very valid I think that say, say the offense is stagnant say the second unit it has a lot of interesting parts that are disparate parts. I would say at this part, at, at this juncture, and what if he just needs an injection of athleticism and energy? I think RJ Hampton could be that guy because you had that last year in Malik Beasley. He, he was kind of an, an athletic freak, uh, you know, get up and down the court. I don't, I, he, he was a better three point shooter than Hampton is at this point. Um, I realize this is hurting my argument because Malik Beasley (laughs) didn't get off the bench, but, but last year, roles were a lot more defined than they are this year. I think probably the top six players, top seven players have defined roles. And then there's going to be a lot of fluidity. And a lot of that's going to be determined um, by who shows out in training camp, who makes quick leaps. and, And frankly, who's available. Like we haven't talked about the availability portion of this. Like for whichever team manages to stay healthy and keep COVID out of its locker room it, 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 among the West contenders probably buys themselves two or three games and therefore one or two seeds in the playoffs. Like I was asked this recently. So someone asked me, do you think the nuggets are going to repeat as a top two seed? And I said, if I would feel a lot more comfortable that they would repeat as a top two seed, if it was an 82 game season, but because it's only a 72 game season this year, because they have so much fluidity and so much turnover from the off season, I think it's going to cost them. I think they're probably looking at a three or a four seed. uh, And I, I, they need to prove that to me, even just a three or a four seed, because again, they had so much turnover and have so much going on uh, that they need to figure out in the next two weeks.
0: So uh, switching gears here, uh, I've had some news come across on Monday night, Uh, Monty Morris, and the Nuggets have agreed to an extension. Uh, three years, is it 24 million? 27. Don't 27. shortchange my guy. Sorry, sorry. 27 million. That extra three means something. Um, so that was a, a question Mark had in the camp. What was what was going to happen with Morris? Now they've locked him up for, for three more years. Um, what does this say, you think, about the Nuggets' thoughts on Morris and where they are with him? uh, is he still a trade ship or is this an, a commitment to having him as a part of their core long-term?
1: I mean, I think it's a great deal for both sides. Um, nine million was right where I expected it to be. I think Morris's camp probably was looking, thinking on the high end of that, maybe, maybe double digits annually. Um, and I think the nuggets, uh, initially wanted, evaluated him a little bit lower than that, but I, but but that's not to say that the nuggets don't see immense value in Monte Morris off the court on the court. We know he is integral to what they do off the court. Like you keep hearing, we have, they have seven new guys they've brought in and guys just keep mentioning offhand that Monte has reached out to them, that he has called them to kind of, you know, ingratiate them to Denver, get, show them the ropes, so to speak uh and whatever that means in this zoom world um and monte is like i i don't know a, a, a better representative of a glue guy on the nuggets than monte For everybody from the teammates to the coaching staff to the front office loves him like in my mind there was no question that they were going to try to reach an extension the nuggets had interest you know, obviously Monte told me in November, he would quote, love to have an extension in Denver. So I fully expected this to happen. And I did not think the addition of compasso, the drafting of RJ Hampton was going to have any impact on this. Monte is a, is a culture glue guy that they v- view as a guy who sets the tone in their locker room. And I, and I realize that's high praise for a backup point guard, but like, think of the guys that the nuggets value the most. They love guys who work and who were undervalued and overlooked. Monte was the 51st pick in the 2017 draft. He played in the G league for basically an entire season, worked his way up from a two-way contract to a standard contract, converted that standard contract into a three-year, $27 million deal. That is life-changing money. And not to say that his prior contract was not good money for most people, um, I, th- I think it was like a two year, $4 million, somewhere in that range, but this is life changing money and Monte has earned it. Um, so they love who he is as a player, as a person, uh, as a, as a culture setter. Um, you know, he might be a, tra- all that being said, he might be a trade chip <laughs> in a season or two, but like, that's also, you know, that's also the business of the NBA. Like it, you know, if the nuggets have a surplus of guards, which, you know, we know they do. And they're, and they're light on the wing. um, You know, maybe you can flip him for uh for, for a a perimeter guy. So all I can tell you is that Monte had a lot of value around the league. A lot of people saw him as a potential starting guard um, and some player comps. I tweeted this last night before Fred Van Vliet's four year, $85 million deal that he recently got from the Raptors. Van Vliet was on a two-year, $18 million deal. And that is completely analogous to what Monte just got. Um, another guy who was, I mean, Fred Van Vliet was undrafted, but has worked himself up into an invaluable player for a really good organization. Um, Tyus Jones, another one who had a, a comparable deal. I think it was two for or three for 26. It's funny because Tyus Jones leads the NBA in assisted turnover ratio, and uh your boy. Monte Morris, you got a lot of boys, <laughs> is uh, second in the NBA, uh, was second in the NBA last year. So those are the kind of comps that you were looking at, and um, I, I really do think it's a great deal for both sides.
0: Yeah, so if, if he's now committed for another three years and you're bringing in Facundo, um, it just makes me wonder, you know, what was the point of bringing in Facundo? And then also on top of that, how confident are you uh, that they're going to have a player that's actually contributing? I I cannot get Milos Teodosic out of my mind when I think of uh, Facundo. It's the same sort of player. Oh, look at his wonderful passing. He's a competitor. He's gritty, all that kind of stuff. Teodosic, he washed out of the NBA after a couple of years. He really didn't stick. So so what what do you think
1: uh, of Facundo? Uh, obviously, everybody is is really excited about this guy. Um, what's a little scary is that teodosic as that's how you pronounce it was uh I just looked it up six five uh and your boy is uh it, not I'm, that is not that your boy is my size he's five eleven one sixty five um that was my size pre pandemic by the way post pandemic you know I'm and a pushing, few. I'm, pu- I'm pushing a couple LBs. <laughs> um, so I think that, you know, the nuggets have had their eye on compasso for a while. This was not just like a spur of the moment decision. He has a long-standing relationship with, uh, someone in the nuggets front office. His name is Marty pocious who played overseas and was a teammate with Campazo. I think it was in like 2016 or 2017, he played with Composo and they were tight. So there's part of where the relationship started. Um, and and this was kind of like a dream for Composo to come over, test his chops in the NBA, see if it, see if he would translate. Um, and so ultimately the nuggets keep saying this in terms of the buyout from real Madrid, in terms of the timing, um, you know, let's not kid ourselves. Like Sure. They wanted to extend Monte, but they also did that before they reached a deal with Monte. So it was a little bit of a hedge. Like you need to protect yourself in some capacity. Um, Can he play? I'm not going to, I don't know. I'm not going to predict it. I'm not going to say he's going to be a world beater at five eleven. Like, you know, does he have a really, really high basketball IQ? Yes. Does Michael, did Michael Malone refer to him as a top five pick and roll player in the world? Yes. That's high praise. That's, that's really high praise lofty. One might say. So, you know, the question is, I was thinking about this, like, who's he playing pick and roll with? Is he play like, who's the best pick and pop guy who you would pair him with? Like, you know, does it, does it work with Porter? Does Porter come off the bench? Is it a him and Barton thing, which looks kind of nice if Barton would, uh, you know, accept a role off the bench. Um, the 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 Compaso Morris pick and roll pairing is pretty small, uh, so I don't know, I don't know that you trust that defensively.
0: Um, uh, I I I gotta see it first. I I just cannot see what what is Monty six two six three yeah 6'2". Uh, two and uh, and then you you've already brought up Composo's height. I I just don't know how you throw that guard line up against say the
1: L A Clippers
0: and survive.
1: All right, so Mister. Uh, cold water. Let me just say this, that at Luka Doncic's, that's a tough one to say, uh, at Luka Doncic's uh, introductory press conference, uh, he was asked about Facundo Campazo, who he was teammates with at Real Madrid. He said he's a pain in the bleep to go up against. I don't know what our policy is on the bleep word, but whatever. It didn't say it. That's our policy. Okay. Uh, pain in the bleep. I asked uh, Vlado Chanchar, um, you know, w- what it was like yesterday. I asked him this, what was like playing against Facundo Gompazo? He verbatim said the exact same thing as Luka Doncic. So those are two bigger players. Um, I'm not saying that that taking their word for gospel and saying, well, I, I'm going to put him on uh, Paul George and, uh, keep him moving. You know, I'm not going to do that, but like, if he can be an irritant, if he can be disruptive and a pest, then, he is going to endear himself to Michael Malone. And really it does not matter what my opinion or your opinion is. And Michael Malone has already raved about him on both ends of the court. So if he has Michael Malone's ear, I think he's going to get a shot and we'll we'll, then we'll evaluate him with real tangible games to assess. But until then, like all we can do is fire off five eleven jokes and uh, you know, just shrug our shoulders and say, we hope it works.
0: Well, I just say this, I'm excited i i'd like to i want to see him play i want to see how it translates. love a good sweet passing euro uh but um i I think people might be going a little too buck wild over these youtube videos um it's uh it's not the same game Matt it's twenty twenty in-
1: Give people something <laughs> like let them enjoy the highlight. Like, no need to wring out your wet blanket on people's YouTube highlights. Sorry, sorry. I just – there's been – I just feel like – I just
0: want to turn down the temperature just a little bit, just a tad. I'm excited to just – let's chill just a little bit on this. How many times I've seen the tweet, hey, Nikola Jokic and Facundo on the same team. Oh, my gosh. This is going to be incredible. Okay, maybe, but –
1: I got to see it. I, I I'm here for the hype train. I'll play double <laughs> advocate. Give me the hype train, give me the basketball chemistry, give me the let them speak the basketball language. That's what I want to hear. That's oh, what yeah, I know. They
0: will make sweet basketball love and I am I cannot wait to see it. But I just like I said, just want to tamp it down just a little bit. So, oh. all right, let's we're moving off of Facundo. Uh, certainly everybody loves talking about him. Uh, and I'm going to take it around the league here. Um, have a few different developments. Um, one, uh, the ship be sinking in Houston. Um, great quote. Yes. Yes. Uh, from Denver's own, uh, Michael Ray Richardson, FYI. Uh, and, uh, James Harden still hasn't showed up to practice. Now it's uh, Tuesday, uh, 1248 PM. Perhaps that's changed. Uh, since. But uh, last I checked, MIA in Houston, um, and they just traded Russell Westbrook for a guy who hasn't played a game in like a year and a half, um, John Wall. And on top of that, the Lakers have now locked in uh, their star duo uh, for three seasons, counting this one. Um, So let's go to Houston first. What's going on there and is there anything the Nuggets can do to pick at the bones of the corpse that is the Houston Rockets?
1: Ooh, that's imagery. Um, yeah, uh, it is sinking and, 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 you know, I was texting with, uh, with, with some NBA people today and I'm kind of just pinging them up with ideas. And the response I got was nobody seems to know what the Rockets are doing. So, I don't think you can pick it the corpse until a decision has been made on James Harden's future in Houston. As of like 15 minutes ago, he had reported to Houston uh, and had tested uh, per the NBA protocols. Cool. Uh, always a good thing when your franchise superstar reports a late. day or two late. Um, so you know, imagine like, imagine you're a first time head coach, Steven Silas, and this is the bleep storm that is awaiting you uh, your first month on the job. Like I got, I feel a little bit bad for him Yeah, um,
0: tough to walk into for sure.
1: Right. So if they make a decision on James Harden and he gets traded uh, potentially for a treasure trove of uh, first round picks, which by the way, Imagine getting anything less than what the New Orleans Pelicans got for Drew Holiday because we've already set the precedent for ridiculous hauls this offseason. Well, certainly
0: Imagine, and, and the Brow, he what was that like five or six picks for the Brow last year?
1: I, I get lost in picks. The picks are dizzying. Yes. Um, but yes, a ridiculous amount of picks. Um, there is a guy on the Houston Rockets that I think would fit. Unbelievably well in Denver, and I don't think that I don't know any information if they have circled his name, if they have made any calls. I have no idea, but I promise you that the Houston Rockets are going to have a long line of suitors for PJ Tucker. He is the type of guy. He he has eight million left on an expiring deal this year. Would probably command a first round pick. Um, once the Rockets pick a lane. I would be surprised if the Nuggets didn't inquire because he fits exactly what they lost in Jeremy Grant. He adds the toughness, he adds the IQ, the three-point corner shooting, like has experience. There's a lot to like about PJ Tucker and he would fill a big gap. And the Nuggets have some uh some contracts to work with. If you're if you're looking at Will Barton, if you're looking at Gary Harris, um those don't match perfectly. Houston would have to throw something else in, but I'm just, you you, kind of canvas the league and you look at which teams are rebuilding. Look at what the nuggets did when they picked from the corpse, supposed corpse of Oklahoma city and got Jeremy grant when they were supposedly rebuilding only to get the fifth seed last year. Like this is a thing. NBA teams do. They assess where other teams are at. So while no decisions have probably been made in Houston yet, I would be surprised if we didn't ultimately get to that day Um, in terms of the Lakers. Yeah, they're horrifying. They're horrifying for the next two to three years. Um, And I'm sure NBA executives across the West kind of sunk their shoulders a little bit. As soon as the, the AD news came down and then LeBron extension news came down, like they're locked in maybe one year. uh, Eventually LeBron starts to slow down, but, you know, I heard a, an interesting stat last night that the, the Lakers got younger lat this off season. They got significantly younger with Trez and Dennis Schroeder. Um, I know Marcus Saul's is there and he's not young, but like they added good pieces. Wes Matthews is a good piece. Like they're, they restocked and retooled and got better. While it, it's tough to say the you can't say the nuggets got better. They did not get better. No, and the Clippers, have- You can argue maybe status quo, but like, you know, who's to say, you know, with all their chemistry problems that any of the the new incoming chemistry works. So yeah, the Lakers are the class of the league and the nuggets have prove improvement mode. They need to spend the next two months gelling, figuring out rotations, figuring out what they have in certain players and, and establishing a routine. Again, I don't know what the depth chart looks like for, 60% of the starting lineup, and then obviously the reserves. I can't tell you. I know which players I think are going to play. I don't know in what order they're going to play. So the Nuggets are in very much prove-it mode, in my opinion.
0: Does the rest of the West, and and do the Nuggets in particular, need to plan like – they need to build a team to beat the Lakers for the next two to three years. Is that, is that the benchmark? Is that the the team that you're looking at that we need to have an answer for X, Y, and Z?
1: Yeah. I mean, if you're the nuggets and you're not fortifying your front court, then you're going to get bludgeoned in the front court. When you face the Lakers in a playoff series, like they probably need more help than just Jermichael green, Paul Millsap, Zeke Naji, and Nikola Jokic and I say a name
0: there you they they also had a free agent pickup this year Hartenstein.
1: Yeah Hardenstein that yeah that's my guy I'm going with Hardenstein <laughs> Um so and and I think I mentioned this before but Hardenstein like there could be value there as a backup as a backup center who does similar things to Mason Plumlee at a significantly cheaper cheaper price but um they're going to need to fortify the three, the four, or the five, if they want to have a chance against the Lakers. That's why, again, you look at PJ Tucker, he can guard some of those guys and you like that toughness, that physicality. So um, if if they were to play a, a playoff series in a week, it would probably be over in five games again. Um, despite uh, the significant departure of Dwight Howard to Philadelphia.
0: Were you serious there? Was that... <laughs> <laughs> nope. Nope. Not serious. <laughs> For a second, Terry, I was like, really? Um, I sold it, though. You did. You did. All right. I'm putting you on the spot here. We didn't talk about this beforehand. i well, will put you on the spot anyway. Uh, make you do this before we, we uh, head our separate ways. I want you to power rank the Western Conference contenders 1 through 10 since that's how the playoffs are going to be set up this year with the play-in games all the way out to 10. So – for me, after all the moves, I think we're pretty much done with the moves, unless of course James Harden gets shipped to Brooklyn or uh, Philadelphia in the next two weeks. Um, power rank the West for me as uh, we're just two weeks from the twenty 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 one season.
1: All right, all right, this is a this is low hanging fruit, but I'll do it anyways. Um, <laughs> all right, Lakers, they, they're they're your number one team. I don't have. I don't think there's any disputing that. Uh, And I think they're favorites to repeat. Um, Show me someone who disagrees. Uh, I think the Clippers are two. Uh, Obviously, just with Kawhi, I think that they have probably the most talent after the Lakers. Um, I'm going, oh God, it's either Utah or Dallas for me. Really? I don't agree. At number three, it's either Utah or Dallas. And I'm leaning Utah because like people forget they were just a half inch away from beating the nuggets uh, in the first round had Conley's shot dropped. Like then, you know, that's that. And we're talking a whole different scenario for the nuggets and for the jazz. They, and they and get,
0: that's, that's also without Bogdanovich.
1: Remember, that's my point. He's coming back healthy he had the wrist injury. So he'll be back. I like the jazz then see now I'm now I'm making enemies. Now it's either, (laughs) Oh God, Matt, this is on you This is on your head. Um, I, I'm going with the Mavericks at four
0: Mavs over the nuggets. Okay.
1: I'm going with the Mavericks (laughs) at four kind of just because of what they're bringing back. I think Lucas, you know, he's going to be a top two, top three MVP candidate. Um, and you know, Ooh, wait, you know, I forgot. Porzingis is coming back in January. That's significant. That's real significant. Don't be mad. I'm putting the Nuggets at four and the and the Mavs at five. Don't be mad.
0: All right, all right. So, all right, we got Lakers, Clippers,
1: Utah, Nuggets, Mavs. Are you okay with that? Are, are we all on the same? Are we all in peace? Uh, I think so. So you're basically.
0: This indicates to me you think Houston is going to move on from James Harden.
1: Yeah, but I also, I mean, I am just a Houston hater. I don't think that, I, I just never thought it worked. I thought it was kind of window dressing, and I just, I, I prefer team basketball over whatever brand of uh, sit-be-sinking sh- basketball uh, they play over there. Uh, so, and the
0: other one is the Blazers. That's the other one that I'm not seeing here, that everybody is gaga over what the Blazers did uh, during the off season, right. Right.
1: Wow. So I like, all right, I have the Mavericks at five. I'm going to go Blazers at six. Okay. Then I'm going to go, let's go crazy. I'm going Phoenix at seven. Oh, it's still my heart. Yes. Be still your heart. I'm going Phoenix at seven. Um, sure. We can give uh Ooh, I have kind of disrespected the Warriors. Uh I'm I'm at this point now between the Warriors and the Rockets for the eight seed. Um it's probably gonna be the Warriors then. Um and you know, again, I can't it's hard to make an assessment on where the Rockets are at with or without Harden. But assuming he's still there, but you know, they're still a mess, maybe they get the nine seed, and then I mean, then you're either talking Memphis or New Orleans again. It's we're back to the bubble. And when they were fighting for uh, you know, that final playoff spot. And and I'm kind of, I'm inclined to go with the Pelicans. Like I think Brandon Ingram is really, really good. And maybe Zion takes another step. So that was my off the top of my head, off the cuff, uh, power rankings of the West. What say you, am I way off?
0: Um, yes, you are. Uh, I, I think, um, I would go, I, I like your top four. I think that's good. I do. I think Utah is, uh, is going to be better, and you're right. They nearly, and some might even say, should have beat the Nuggets last year considering they were up 3-1 on them uh, in that series. Um, and and the Mavs said they, they've got one of the, what, three or four best players in the world. Duka Doncic is really good, so I can see that. Um, I will say this. It's at the bottom half. So New Orleans, they just lost Drew Holiday. I think they're going to take a step back. They weren't even that good last year, to be honest. Um, And do we really know what we're going to get out of Zion? Uh, That guy has just had such a bad injury history so far, um, and I'm just not buying into that team yet. Uh, Memphis, I think they'll be in the mix. Uh, But what about San Antonio? They always seem to figure things out. I know last year they didn't for the first time in, what, two decades? Um, but they still have some guys, they got DeMar DeRozan, take him or leave him. I
1: know some, isn't he going to be traded? Like DeMar could very well be traded. So could LaMarcus Aldridge. Like those are, you know, guys who are obviously past their primes and guys who you try to recoup some value for if you are the San Antonio Spurs. So, I, I mean, that being said, I love, um, Derek white. And I'm blanking on his name. Um, Lonnie Walker. And and I think Lonnie Walker has a ton of potential. So, you know, I I like them. I, you know, you, you asked for my spur of the moment, maybe they can wiggle their way into fighting for the new, uh, playing seeds. And I'm sure that they'll be in the mix just because they're always competitive. Um, but, you know, I don't think I made any damning, glaring omissions no, there. No,
0: I, I would have put the Warriors higher too, just because Steph Curry, I think, is gonna go atomic this year. Uh, and and I I realize they don't have Clay Thompson and that's a that's a big loss. But you can build a functional, uh good, perhaps even great offense just around the fact that there has to be a guy following Steph Curry wherever he goes and he can kill you from forty feet. So that I, I kind of feel like they're going to be in that top six mix, uh, probably ahead of the Suns as much as I hate to say it. Uh, I, I grew up a Suns fan. I have a KJ poster in my den. Um, so that tells you how I feel about the Suns. But I uh, don't know. We'll see. Uh, we're only two weeks out, and um, there's there's been more movement than I would have thought uh, this offseason – uh, I know it's around the edges but uh the, the significant for the Nuggets losing Jeremy Grant and uh and then also the Blazers adding everything that they did and then what happened with the Lakers and the Clippers uh I did not see the Lakers going younger um in, in that direction so so easily um to the frustration of many of us so all right uh I I don't know did we hit everything you wanted to talk about Mike <laughs>
1: Um, trying to think. I I just think it's going to be fascinating for Malone to have to dance a little bit, uh, because with the two guard battle, he may have to navigate some dicey waters with Gary Harris. With the four, uh, Paul Millsap very publicly said he's in no battle with Jermichael Green. Jermichael Green very publicly said he would happily come off the bench. I think it's interesting that both of those veterans are offering that narrative. Whereas we're hearing uh, quite different narratives from the two and the three uh, in regards to Barton and Porter, Gary Harris did not say much as per usual. Um, And so I I just think there's going to be some interesting questions and you know, Zoom makes it hard. Like we do our best as as reporters to try to gain insight and, and ask probing questions. But to be honest with you, it is harder when you are not in person and you can't actually level with people. So I promise you we're asking. I promise you we're trying to dig and discern a, a real depth chart. Um and and here's the unsettling part. I don't think the preseason is gonna offer any clarity at all because I think that they're going to rest guys and uh, out of concern for a big picture approach. So we may only really get a real blueprint of Malone's rotations and depth charts come December 23rd uh, when they host the Sacramento Kings at ball arena. We didn't plug ball arena. We're plugging (laughs) it now. Um, so, uh, shout out to the shout out to the balls. Uh, and, uh, I think we'll, uh, (laughs) that might be a good note to end on.
0: (laughs) All right, Mike. Well, uh, thanks for joining me again. Uh, we'll be back here. Who knows next week, I guess we've got one preseason game between now and then, uh, where apparently we will get no information.
1: We'll see. Um, so, uh, until then, Mike, good talk to you. You too. You too. Thanks for, uh, thanks for setting it up and, uh, we'll talk soon. All right. See you later, everybody.